Hello, I am Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Our healthcare system seems to be in a perfect storm lately. It's a reminder that we are not completely out of the woods when it comes to COVID-19. The province's chief medical officer, Dr. Moore, has recommended wearing a mask to curb the spread of the virus whenever you are indoors. However, follow-up messaging has been muddled from the province on that front. It doesn't help that the issue of masking has remained one of the most contentious points that we face coming out of the pandemic. Despite well-documented science around its efficacy, it is a subject which invites argument and division. Which is why it caught our attention when the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board waded into the issue by stating a new masking policy earlier this month. As could be expected, the board meeting was wrought with confrontation from folks on both sides of the issue showing up. At one point, police were asked to remove individuals from the meeting to ensure that it could proceed. By the end of that meeting, the HWDSB would be the only school board in the province to issue such a policy. It is hard to say that this occurrence was unavoidable. Any debate over masking invites confrontation these days. So why would the HWDSB decide to wade into this issue right now? We've reached out to the board chair, Don Danko, to invite her onto the podcast to explain why the board made the decision and what this might mean going forward. Uh, hello, everyone, and I'd like to welcome to the podcast uh, Don Danko, uh, chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board, uh, to the podcast. Thank you, Don, for, for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, so the, 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 the Hamilton uh, HWDSB, uh, that's easier to say, uh, is in the news uh, recently because you're the first Ontario school board to reintroduce a masking mandate uh, for it to be indoors uh, on HWDSB schools. Uh, can, you, can you tell us what, what exactly is the, the policy officially, uh, just so we're all on sound footing going forward? Well, I think it's important to note that it's not actually a mandate. So what the motion that was passed was that we have a temporary universal masking requirement indoors in HWDSB schools, but with an unrestricted option to opt out. And so as soon as you have that option to opt out, you don't have requirements for exemptions, for example, it's not a mandate. Um, What it's doing is really trying to encourage people to pay attention to why we're asking people to wear masks, Um, pay attention to the messaging from public health, both at the Ontario level and locally, pay attention to what hospitals are asking us to do, which is mask indoors. And, And it's really really centered around if we can increase the masking in schools just temporarily, we can reduce the spread of respiratory illnesses in our schools. And and we know right now uh, that the three key illnesses, COVID, influenza, RSV, they're really impacting our youngest um, children and youth the most. And those are some of the people that are in our schools that we're responsible for. Um, Okay, good to know. But the the reason why this is in the news is, of course, you talk about bringing masks into schools. You kind of kick over the hornet's nest with uh, anti-mask uh, pro, uh, individuals, people who, who don't want to see mask mandates to bring back. And I'm wondering why, why, why even wade into this fight? Because uh, the, the other board that tried to do this uh, up in Ottawa, Ottawa uh, the Ottawa-Carleton School Board, they 
try to do what you did. And they end up getting into, they, they end up shutting down the meeting because it just turned into such chaos with protesters. And I'm wondering why would your board kind of want to wade, wade into that fight after all this time? Well, and I think it's an important question, right? Why now? Why masks, uh, particularly when it's such a polarizing issue? And so if I can point to Hamilton Health Sciences, McMaster Children's Hospital, what did they say in November? They said, like all pediatric hospitals in Ontario, we continue to be under immense strain. The amount and severity of viral illness is heavier than normal, and we're seeing kids with serious flu, pneumonia, COVID-19, and RSV infections. And they were also reporting that they were canceling procedures. Uh, They were over capacity. They were using wards as ICU beds. So that was sort of the urgency um, when we were seeing locally what's happening in our pediatric hospitals because of the, the three major respiratory illnesses that have spiked this fall. But then why open the debate or the fight? Well, we're not really reopening it. I, I guess because you're trying to pass a motion to do more at our board, um, you could perceive it that way, but we we didn't go to a mandate. And so it, it's interesting. Um, when we look at what happened at Ottawa, for example, they had a very comprehensive motion. It included exemptions. It really did focus more on being a mandate, requiring people to wear it in school, and you must have an exemption and proof and all of these things um, to opt out. Whereas Uh, we're really trying to just promote the messaging that public health has been sharing, that the ministry has asked us to share, that has landing with people. Um, If I could, I I think it's important to note that, yes, we do have some people that are highly opposed to masks. They don't have to wear a mask. Their children don't have to wear a mask. But I don't think that should drive policy. We should never look at one extreme or another to drive policy. And we've asked people to think differently about masks over two and a half years. So we started out with, you don't need a mask. Then we said, oh, actually, could you wear a mask to protect others, not yourself? Because we all know the challenges with wearing masks properly. You can't touch them. You should never touch the inside. You should wash your hands you know, before and after touching a mask, all of those things. We know we're not going to do that perfectly. But we, we did hear wear a mask to protect others. Then we shifted into wear a mask to protect yourself and others if you can't socially distance, you know, all of these other factors. Then we shifted just this past fall to wear a mask if you're sick and have symptoms or if you're recovering from an illness. And now we're shifting back uh, to wear a mask to protect yourself and others. So people are confused. They're not getting the message. And this is one way that we feel we can promote increased uptake in masking without it being punitive, without it being disciplinary. Um, Really, it's about being supportive and getting that messaging out. Well, there's two ways of looking at this. One is, shouldn't this just come from the ministry rather than from the the school boards? I mean, for for one school board in the whole of Ontario, to, to to make this this kind of declaration, um, you know, is kind of the definition of, of ineffectual, really, because, I mean, not through your fault, but because all the other school boards are just carrying on as normal. Surely this is a provincial matter, if ever there was one, uh, and the province should be, should be doing this. Uh, I mean, is what you're doing a, a kind of tacit criticism of, of the province's uh, behaviour at the moment? love the way you just framed that. Uh, I, I suppose, in essence, it is. What we haven't seen at the provincial level, and I'm not going to point fingers at any particular person, but you know, the Chief Medical Officer of Health is the person that said we may see mask mandates come back, depending on 
illness levels. And we haven't seen that happen. So, you know, the ministry follows the direction of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. They have asked us to promote it. That's master strongly recommended indoors and do everything we can to promote that. Um, but with in, in the absence of provincial direction and leadership that says, you know, for a temporary time, because of the crisis in hospitals, pediatric hospitals in particular, because of the severe illness we're seeing in our youth, our very young children in, in particular, and our elderly population, we feel that mandates are required. In the absence of that, we're trying to fill the gap. Right? We're trying to do something that's changing behavior because what did not happen when the Chief Medical Officer of Health of Ontario recommended masks indoors, what did not happen was an increase in masking. I know I started putting my mask on. I know a few people started doing it, but it was very, very minimal uptake. Um, we shared out Hamilton Public Health's messaging. Masks are recommended indoors, strongly recommended indoors. We may have seen one or two percent uptake, if that, but it was not landing. And so we actually did an, another step before we got here. We actually had a motion where some people did want it to become a requirement, a mandate, uh, but the board as a collective decided, let's ask everybody directly. Let's, let's put the ask out there instead of just sharing public health message. Would you wear a mask to school? Please wear a mask to school. Please protect yourself and others. Of course, this is layered with all of the other important things that we need to be doing, which is hand washing and disinfecting, um, respiratory etiquette. We need to stay home when we're sick. All of those things still really matter. But um, again, we saw a very small uptake in masking because most people, especially students, when they get to school, they might be willing to wear a mask, but when nobody else has one on, that pressure is to take it back off. So, so this is a graduated steps that we're taking. And again, it is in the absence of clear leadership from the province. Is, uh, we spoke to uh, Councillor Maureen Wilson way back in, I can't remember when it was, uh, probably springtime, something like that, Joel? Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that. Um, and she, uh, it was another thing to do with, to do with masking, but, but sort of uh, unrelated issue uh, generally. But she made a point that, that really kind of struck me at the time, and, and that was that you know, when, when the population moves on, when the, when the society just decides that something is over, it's over. And there's nothing the politicians can do to really, uh, you just have to suck it up. And I, and I also always remind myself, and I think it's something we've forgotten, that when we first started wearing masks, and when we first started staying home, it wasn't from the province or from even from the federal government. You know, we can remember back to, to March the 13th, Friday the 13th, 2020. It was us as a society that pretty much decided overnight, enough, we're staying home. Um, and, and so, I mean, are these, are we, are we kind of dealing ultimately, therefore, with, with kind of gesture politics at this point? Society has moved on. We're trying to, sure, we're trying to educate and we're trying to lead by example. I get that. But but this is, you know, it, 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 actually, what we're seeing through this whole process is how societies make decisions independently of, of, of politicians. Do you think that, that that's something that has any merit to it? I do. Um, one of the things that, that I think about when, when I'm considering whether or not to pass a motion for a masking requirement or standard or expectation, um, you know, albeit with, with or unrestricted opt-out options, um, is that when we had mandates and we had these specific requirements that we could enforce and it was happening everywhere, one, it was, it was sort of a, a global approach or a regional approach. And 
masking works the best and, and health and safety measures work the best when everybody's doing them and not just in schools. So we right now, I will acknowledge that what we're doing is a local solution to what is a regional problem. Right. So so our solution is not going to eliminate spread of, of respiratory illnesses. It, it hopefully will reduce it while children are in schools, but we can't control what happens after school or at their parents' workplace or any of that. So I recognize that it is not perfect. I also recognize that we were under emerg an emergency situation, right? We were under the Emergency Act. So measures like mandates really shouldn't be a go-to when we're not under that that type of um, strain or pressure and under an emergency scenario. So I, I can understand why a mandate hasn't happened. I think what I'm disappointed in is, you know, we, we got the messaging about masks being strongly recommended and it just stopped there. It really, really wasn't promoted out. And so what this motion does for us is it allows us to direct staff to do more. And for me, like this, I'm just not talking on behalf of the board, but from Don Danko's perspective, by passing this motion, we've asked staff, one, put signs back up, remind people that masking is important. Two, make masks available, visibly available. You don't have to ask for one. You should be able to just grab one like, oh, I should wear a mask today. Three, we're getting the messaging out in a new way to families and to students. And a lot of students actually uh, shared, you know, through, through their different channels, they're like, well, we didn't, you didn't tell us to wear a mask. You didn't tell us why, like, tell us, don't, don't email my parents. I'm in high school. I'm not going to get, get that message. So part of it is around the messaging, the availability, the promotion of it, because what we're aiming to do really is have a mask friendly environment so that when people are ill and recovering and they're symptomatic and they might be spreading respiratory illnesses, they will wear a mask and they'll feel comfortable doing that. If someone's vulnerable, if they have a vulnerable family member and they want to wear a mask to protect uh, their family or themselves, they will feel comfortable doing that. And we were at a point where there was almost no one wearing masks in school. So I, I think if we can move the, the bar a little bit, this will be successful. Um, in terms of how society thinks about masking, I think another another thing that would be interesting and I would love to see happen, look at China, right? Um, they wear masks when they're ill to protect one another. You, you see masking, it, that was before the pandemic. Wouldn't it be great if as a society, we agree that masking has a role in certain instances, regardless of the time of year, regardless of the season and the pressures on hospitals. And instead of just, you know, staying home that one day when you get the really bad cold, the medicating and going to work and likely spreading it to all of your coworkers, maybe a mask is that new solution that we will adopt as a society. I would love to see that happen. Um, I'm curious to know what the response uh, uh, has been from the ministry to this uh, 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 this policy that you're putting forward. And the reason I bring it up is if people can flash back in their memory to this year, uh, springtime, when the provincial government said, we're lifting all the, all the masking restrictions, HWDSB said, we want to hold off on masks. We want to keep the masks in our schools at least until April, because the, the rationale that was put forward was uh, uh, March break was happening. Kids are coming back. Families are coming back from vacation, possibly. And there might be just that that last surge of viruses coming through the school. We want to just, can we just hold off for, for another month 
to lift the, the mandates. And you got a pushback from Minister Lecce saying, no, the ministry has declared no masking, no masking, that's it, we're final. Take off the masks. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the response now from the ministry uh, from, from this policy uh, implementation? So what's interesting about the spring versus now is one, we actually had the ability as a board to have a mask mandate because there were COVID measures that were put up by the ministry that allowed school boards to go above and beyond the ministry. And what was interesting is although he said publicly, no, masks are done, school boards can't do it. And let's be honest, we, we did allow people to opt out or to get a universal exemption without getting a doctor's note or anything like that, because we wanted it to be supportive, not punitive. Um, so it wasn't truly enforced as a mandate. But what he didn't do is he didn't provide direction to our board. He just said it publicly. And he could have given us direction to say, you will remove this as a as a policy, right? And he didn't do that. Um, but we, under the COVID measures that had been put in place in 2020, we did technically have the authority to do that. Um, you know, that has since changed, right? We've got the reopening act that, that got rid of all of those measures. Um, so in this case, I think we were very I have been in touch with the ministry. I've let them know what our board is, is thinking about, what we're discussing. And because we landed on something that just allows people to opt out, it is not considered a mandate. So we have not heard any concern from the ministry. I'm just in Durham District School Board also debated a mandate uh, or debated some says in the newspaper article I'm reading that it was a mandate that they discussed and was, de uh, and was defeated at a contentious meeting, it says here. Um, is your understanding that there was a mandate they were looking at? So in that case, of the three boards that have kind of looked at this, Hamilton Wentworth is the only one that's actually passed a motion and the difference being that you're not calling it a mandate and, and uh, it, it's a somewhat different, differently framed uh, uh, motion. Is that correct? That's my understanding. I'm not familiar with the details for Durham District School Board, but I do know what I did observe um, previously and and with Ottawa that you know there was there were a lot of details <laughs> and built into the motions. Um, we actually did have a very detailed motion initially that we were debating. Um, that I, I'm not sure if it would have passed or not. I think that would have been a split, a very much a split vote. Um, but it did have you know requirements for exemptions, letting the school know if you have medical conditions, having proof of exemption if you're not wearing a mask. And I highlighted a number of concerns. Like one, where do we want our staff in schools to spend their time and energy? Um, and is this the place where we want them to do that? Because if they're enforcing a mask mandate that technically we're not going to bar a student from school, but we're going to send them home or call their parents to follow up to check that they have an exemption. That's a lot of time and effort that was spent early on when the first mandates came out um, that I don't think we're well served doing that. I think we have a lot of work to do on learning recovery. We've had, you know, EQA results come out that we are not happy with recognizing that the challenges with the standardized test and the, the gap in not writing it for a few years. But the fact is we need to support our students' well-being. We need to support their learning um, that, that is so critical right now. And I, I think then when we shifted to a motion that really is, here's a, here's a standard, here's an expectation, but you can opt out. Um, that was something that people could get behind. Are you actually, I mean, I don't know if this is sort of information you can share or, or if, you, if you even know, 
but the kind of level of, of COVID infection or, or other infections that are happening in Hamilton schools at the moment, are you, are you aware of those? Is that something you can give us an indication of? We had some some regional and Hamilton data presented at our board meeting. Um, you know, we are seeing that there there has been a spike in respiratory illnesses. COVID cases are not tracked in the same way they were in the past. So it's really hard to compare apples and oranges. You know, people are not getting tested at the same rate. They're not having to report officially if they got a positive rapid test even, right? So it's, it's a very different days than when we were tracking COVID numbers closely. But we are seeing uh, the percent positivity for influenza in the region, um, it's moderate is, is how it's been reported by public health and starting to stabilize because it had been increasing through October and November. Uh, the same is true for RSV. Again, they don't test everybody. So we're just looking at of the people they tested, what was the percent positivity? And I think it was around like 10 to 15%, depending on which illness we're talking about. And COVID was also reported as being, you know, moderate levels of illness. It had been increasing, but looks like it's starting to stabilize now. And of course, that's with the testing levels that we have. So uh, many people that experience COVID, it's similar to a cold. If they're not testing, we're not going to know those numbers. So I'm, I'm always cautious about looking at those numbers, but I'm hopeful that we've hit the peak uh, of those three illnesses in particular in Hamilton, and we're starting to see a decline. And that's what uh, you know people are projecting is that it's going to start going down now. I wanted to kind of jump back to something you said earlier uh, in this discussion, and that was you're trying to create a, a pro mask environment uh, in the schools for, for those who, who want them. And, uh, and you're kind of feeding off the, 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 the messaging from the chief medical officer of health in the province. But I'm wondering, why are you doing this alone? Um, and, and by that, you know, you're, you're, you clearly when you know you, you brought this policy forward to the board meeting you were met with a lot of opposition from uh parents and students who are against masks uh coming back um and that just seems to be kind of we're, like we're still I, I don't want to say fighting but that opposition is still there and it's and to a lot of people it's an, it's I don't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be, choose my words carefully on this, but, but, you know, it's, it's almost an irrational fear uh, against this. And I'm wondering, you know, if right now we're in the, we're, in a, we're seeing a, a spike in these illnesses coming back, we know that masks work, the science is there, but you've kind of waded into it to, to kind of fight the, the, that narrative. Right. And I'm wondering why, what, what's your opinion on you, on you having to do this alone? Because you know, I haven't, I haven't heard of any statement from Minister Lecce or, uh, or Minister Jones saying, you know, Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, you know, they're doing a good thing there. Or we, we, back, we back them. You no, know, that's what they need to do. We, you know, we support them. It's been crickets. And I'm wondering, like, what, what's, your, what's your take on the situation that you're left on your own to kind of sell this to the Hamilton public? That's such a great question because, you know, we, Ottawa Public Health um, had indicated if the school board implemented something with masking, they would fully support it. We haven't heard the same from Hamilton Public Health, except for them to share their messaging that masks are strongly recommended indoors. So we could say our messaging is aligned. Um, from my perspective, one, yes, there there is some visceral opposition 
to anything that is a mandate and to anything to do with masks or vaccinations. And, and that is a small segment of our population. Um, and you mentioned like the, the science is there, masks do help. They don't eliminate the spread of, of illness, but they do help. Um, and for some of those people, they, they do not believe that science and that's okay. That needs to be okay. I'm not going to convince them um, to change their thinking and to change what, what information gathering they do and what sources they trust. But what I can do is say, it's okay for you to opt out. It doesn't matter what your reason is. We're, we're going to support you if you're opting out or if you're opting in um, to, to wearing masks. So it's not so much promoting a pro-mask environment. It's a mask-friendly environment where we're just being supportive um, and allowing people to make different choices, but we're asking people to think about making a choice. So what was happening is people were just showing up and doing their usual routine, and they really weren't stopping to think about should I wear a mask today or should my child wear a mask today? Uh, because we've just gotten out of that routine and out of that habit. So it's really what we're doing is trying to promote positive behavior change. We're getting people to think consciously about making a choice. And again, if they opt out, we respect that choice. We're not going to engage in that fight. Um, certainly, I, I get to receive plenty of emails and phone calls um, with people that, that are very much opposed. But I also receive the emails and phone calls saying, thank you, my child is immunocompromised, they're at a heightened risk right now, they've been wearing a mask. But just even a small step in the right direction is going to help protect them in this time where they are at risk and, and I feel safer sending my child to school. Thank you. So we, I am hearing that as well. And I, I think we need to recognize there's actually a very large middle ground. There's a lot of people that are indifferent. Um, a lot of our high school students in particular were saying, tell me why. Why do I have to wear a mask? Oh, okay. Pediatric hospitals are really struggling and kids aren't getting care. Okay. I could wear a mask, but for how long? The, the timeline matters to them. They are not interested in masking for months. But if I ask them to do it for two weeks or maybe even four weeks, which is sort of the, the timeline that we have before and after the break, um, I could do that. I, I think I could do that. Uh, so it, it's really drawing people's attention to it consciously to make a decision. And I think whether we're doing it alone or if we had support, that would be nice. Um, we, we know that our families are going to be making that decision and we're really hopeful to see some, some uptake in masking in schools. And, and that's something that I haven't gotten to observe yet, but uh, it just really took effect today. I, yeah, I, I actually think, I, I like the fact, and this is me departing from any kind of journalistic pretense here. Um, <laughs> I like the fact you've taken kind of a third way on this, actually. Uh, and I'm saying that just kind of reacting to it almost as as just a person that was so used to governments being in the business of telling people what to do um, that we forget that actually far more important um, aspect of this is, is, is that governments are in the business of communication and, 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 and advice. Um, more so than telling what people, you know, we do live in a free society and we, we do, whenever possible, want to let people do what they want to do and make their own decisions, but based on the best of evidence uh, possible. So, um, it, yeah, it is actually quite, I think it's quite refreshing to see um, uh, a kind of different approach here. And, and perhaps it's one that will we'll, uh, catch on. I, I hope there are actually some changes in in behavior. Um, and, and I guess that's the million dollar question that, that, that we now have, now have whether this will make any di difference. 
I mean, children, children are children, right? And children are children in particular are very susceptible to peer pressure. Um, I mean, the impression I get, actually, the impression I get in adult society is that there's almost a caution. There's almost a feeling of of I don't want to be the one wearing a mask in the store in case someone thinks I'm an idiot. Not an idiot, but someone thinks you know. I don't want to attract attention to my, myself by being the only person wearing a mask. You know, this is uh, uh, almost the kind of feeling I have now, you know? Um, so I guess you're up against those kind of challenges too. I mean, do, do you, I mean, I guess you've already answered the question with the kind of, you know, mask friendly environment. Uh, um, but do you think this is enough to actually get a, a change in behavior? I think, as you said, it's the million-dollar question, uh, and and uh, we will see. Um, but to your point, I know I've been wearing a mask as soon as it was recommended by public health. I got my masks out and I started wearing them when I went into stores. I wasn't doing it prior to that unless I was sick or had symptoms, and in which case I wasn't really leaving the house um, because that was the recommendation at that time. So. It, at first, my concern was people are going to think I'm sick. So I would keep telling people, I'm just, I'm wearing this because it's recommended, not because I'm sick. Because we were asking people to shift their thinking pretty quickly on what a mask meant. And I agree, like if I walk into a store and no one has a mask on, I, I feel uncomfortable. If a few people have a mask on, even, even a couple of people, I feel far more comfortable being in that environment and, and choosing to wear a mask. So again, it's, if, if we can increase masking 25%, that would be a win for me uh, because it does remind people, oh, at, at a minimum, if I haven't been well and I'm coming back to school because my symptoms are clearing up, may, maybe I should wear a mask. And I feel, I feel comfortable in this space because enough people are doing it. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that, that, that we see more of an uptake than that. But again, uh, that's something that we'll be monitoring. And we have an opportunity to renew this this motion. Uh, I believe it's January 16th, our first board meeting in January. And that's where we need to look at, well, are the hospitals still struggling? Are they still recommending masking indoors? You know, what is the state of illness in, in Hamilton in particular? Um, how is it impacting our, our youth, our students that we're re responsible for? Um, those are all things that we'll have to look at. And my hope is that we wouldn't need to that we really wouldn't need to extend any kind of standard or requirement or expectation. Um, but instead we would have set the stage for masking to be something people will do when, when it makes sense. Um, and, you know, when we're not in a crisis situation, that would likely be when you're recovering from an illness. We're probably drawing towards the end of this interview. And I, I thought just while we've got, got you here, I mean, obviously it's, it's a new, it's a new term for Hamilton Wentworth district school board, uh, a new, a new board, uh, quite a few new faces. Um, the previous term of, of of the school board was had some very contentious moments. I mean, there were accusations of, of racism against a number of uh, trustees. Um, do you do you feel that there's a a changing of the guard on this board? I mean, do you feel this is a new board with a with a kind of um, with a new direction? Um, given that the changes. Uh, are you expecting a more um, uh, collegial <laughs> uh, atmosphere uh, going forward? Certainly, every time we have a new board and we have new members, there's time. We need time. 
to, to form and come together as a group and sort of figure out how we're going to work together. Uh, I think it's early days to say how the new board will be different from the prior board, but my hope is that we can really shift our focus to, you know, positive uh, energy, positive thinking, and, and really thinking about our students learning their well-being. Um, not that that hasn't been a focus, but the fact is we've been in crisis response mode for about three years at our board. We started in uh, fall of 2019 with the death of one of our students on site. And then we went into COVID. Um, we had the police liaison program canceled and that, that was a very contentious meeting. So when you've gone through um, a period where you're continually reacting and you can't be proactive, um, it, it's hard to judge what the performance of that board would have been in other situations, right? And how we might have worked together. Uh, we've only had two board meetings and our committee meetings are where we really do the important work of the board, where we get into, um, you know, learning achievement, human resources, finance and facilities, all of those things. And this week, I think I have meetings almost every night. <laughs> and that's where I'm really looking forward to like the, the smaller discussions and the, the conversations that aren't um, restricted by the rules of governance at a board table, right? So you have a, a lot more leeway there. And, and so my hope is that we will really come together and be an effective board. But like I said, it's very early days and, and I'm still looking forward to really getting to know some of the new members. Well, I think that probably is a, is a good way to draw, draw it to a close. Uh, thanks so much, Dawn Danko, for, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, we wish you all the best with, with the new term of uh, term of the board. And, um, uh, and uh, we'll be interested to, to follow this story for sure to see how it, uh, how it develops. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app.